okay. I know it's never enough time to get around the tables and so forth, but again, we encourage fellowship even um, before Heartstrings starts and, and after Heartstrings, and it's nice to foster those relationships with our conversations and our table talk. Um, but just a couple things about me um, as a teacher and about some of our other teachers. There's four of us that primarily teach, for those of you who are new to Heartstrings, and each of us have different gifts, spiritual gifts, different talents, and so forth, just like each and every one of you. The one thing that is different from me, I would say from the other three teachers, is that I'm a very fast speaker. Um, I write a lot of notes because I'm very visual. And so you can do one of two things. You can just listen and not worry about the notes because they're there for you. Just take them home. Or you can just follow the notes with me. Either way, don't get frustrated. Another thing here is because I am a fast speaker, I will make up words. And I will mispronounce words. It was, it was and, and here's part of my deal. I am a homeschool teacher, and I homeschool right now um, two of my children. And my five-year-old, we are hooked on phonics. I will not break the English language during this year. So if I mispronounce a word, it's that is because of, of my phonics, and I will stick to it, and I will teach you about it. Um, if it becomes a distraction that I'm a fast talker, or if it becomes a distraction that words are bothering you, I just ask that just the Lord just um, opens up your heart. This is about the message that you truly feel a message versus nitpicking at teachers and things along those lines. So that is my prayer. That's my prayer for all the women is that we will just set aside any distractions or any um, um, little things that might irritate and even with each other, set aside that. Let's just open up the heart and really hear the message for what it is and not let, um, you know, things come in between where you're not hearing and you're distracted and so forth. So that has been my prayer for me and for all of us as sisters. And, um, you know, if there's anything... um, that um, is just shown through the heart, you, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. And another thing here, too, is I I have come from this where I used to be um, the one that judged or convicted or condemned. And I God has shown me so much. When we are teaching these lessons, think about yourselves first. Think about... Um, you know, uh, putting a mirror in front of you and seeing, is this how I am first? Instead of picking out a half a dozen people that are like, oh, that person's like that. that person. And you never look at yourself. And that's very important to start with. And and I, I leave the convicting to God, and he'll do it in a loving way, but there's always grace with that. And so with this message today, there's going to be a lot of um, different aspects of the parable that we're going to talk about. And I really, um, I just really have been praying that God just looks at you and you're able to open up your own heart humbly and and maybe even being humiliated to just say, oh, this is me. This is me. And the, the change starts here. And we're here to be disciples and to make disciples of all nations. And we need to come together as kingdom citizens, which has been our study for the last semester and ongoing up until uh, probably spring break, where we're talking about um, really living a life that is reflective of how God wants us to live. And in Matthew, Jesus talks strongly about repenting and, and that the kingdom is near and how important it is to understand what the kingdom is about. And we just can't live our lives like the worldly lives and then wait till the last minute when the <laughs> the pearly gates open and then just live a heavenly life. That's not what God is calling us to be. He's calling us to be those citizens now. He's, he's calling us to be Christ-like now. And so much of what we talked about is um, is based upon Matthew. It's based upon the kingdom of God. It's based upon repenting. And it's also based about um, how we are to live as these citizens. And some of the things that we review or that we went over that I'll just touch base as review is we went over preparing for the kingdom. We went over um, what the Beatitudes are and salt and light, all you know attributes of being the citizen of the kingdom, um, the power of the kingdom, how powerful it is, seeking the kingdom, what that means. So if you're new to Heartstrings this semester, I strongly recommend to go back through um, the first parts of Matthew or even um, come to one of the teachers. We could probably pull up some lessons, and a lot of them are online from last semester, that you can pull up and really listen to them because it's so important that we really focus in on being these citizens right now and not, you know, in, in the time that's convenient for us or in the future or whatnot. We don't have time. We just don't know when the king is coming. And so we don't have time to waste. There's a lot of people out there that need to be saved. There's a lot of people that need to know about the kingdom, and we need to live as citizens that reflect that. Um, but what we're going to talk about today is, is parables. And so the parable that we're focusing on is the parable of the sower. But before we go into the parable, I want to kind of get our minds going because parables basically is a comparison, taking um, what's unfamiliar and comparing it to something that's familiar. So to get our minds going, the next question around your table is this. Have you ever tried to garden flowers, vegetables, or plants? Recall your first season trying to grow something. What were the results? What part of your process yielded good? Good results or even 
poor results. So take a few seconds or a half a minute for a person. Okay. Okay, so I think we probably have some well-known green thumbers, which we might be looking to you um, in, in some of these passages. And we have some people that epically have failed with their gardening aspects. Um, as a matter of fact, this morning I um, was trying to... Um, Revive four of my ferns that I brought in in the fall, and I try to keep them very uh, in various areas of the house. And um, three of them have survived. One was kind of on the brink of death, and I thought, oh, I'll just soak it with water, get the moisture back into it, and um, and then I set it by the door, just trying to get low light. And um, and I'm pretty good with with ferns, but this one was not doing well. And my husband this morning gets up before I am and uh, out the door, and he took the trash out and he took the fern out, and I woke up and oh, my fern is gone, and and, and it really. I, I was kind of to the point where, okay, I guess he gets the point. That thing is dead. <laughs> There's no hope. So, so hopefully in these parables, we're not dead. There is hope. Um, just some things with parables. Jesus uses his parables, again, especially Matthew, and it's recounted um, several times in um, uh, Luke and Mark as well, um, to take the unfamiliar and compare it to the familiar. So if you didn't understand it, he was trying to compare it to the familiar. Um, there is a, a root meaning to parable, and it comes um, from the word parabolo, and I don't know if that's pronounced right, but para means to come alongside or compare, and balo means to throw or to see with. And parables were used to give one or more instructional lessons or principles, and Jesus used many parables, um, and there will be several that we're going to be talking about, such as um, the hen treasure and the pearl, the mustard seed and the yeast, um, the lost sheep. So there's several that we're going to be comparing um, these parables with and what he's trying to say. Um, they can also be used in an allegory type of sense where he's using um, objects like trees or plants or things and even people to do his comparison. But some of the key words that Jesus uses with his parables are the phrases that warn and alert listeners to really pay attention here. Because he's already saying, look, you don't get it, so I'm going to rephrase this in a way. I'm going to teach you this way. Um, and he says uh, in many of his parables, in some contexts, he says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Or how much more? Like, you're not going to understand it. And this is about as much as I can say. Um, most assuredly, I say to you, this is the truth. And so um, as we look through the passage today, which is the parable of the sower in chapter 13, you're going to notice several um, uh, points um, where he's saying, listen, or hear. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back up to that um, that large boxed-in section where it has the verses that we're going to be discussing today, and I want you to, when we um, when we read through this, when you see anything that has to pertain with hearing or listen, circle it, because this is a big point to this parable. So I'll start at the top here, the parable of the sower, Matthew 13, or you can follow around in your Bible as well, and it's the NIV version here. Um, uh, Verse 1. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among them, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell in good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Then we move to verse 18. Listen, then, to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So there are several areas that you probably picked up on circling on listening. And so that's a big part or a big point of this lesson is let them hear. Those who hear will hear. Those who are here may not hear. But here's a couple of things with parables. There is a hidden message here. Um, Jesus clearly gives parables to hide the meaning from those hearts who are hardened. That's your fill-in. 
Matthew 13.35 says, So is fulfilled that was spoken through the prophet, and this is Isaiah, he's referring to Isaiah, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things hidden since the creation of the word. Matthew 13, 10, 11. The disciples asked Jesus, Why do you speak to them in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. And then Matthew 13, 13 through 15 says this, and this is um, regarding to the hidden message. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this... People's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. And at this point, too, Jesus is making a point as well. Everyone who is listening has ears. So everyone in this crowd is hearing, just like us today. Just like um, us as people, as Christians, we all have ears. We all hear things. And so we're going to see throughout this um, lesson, really, who are the ones that are hearing. And um, who are the ones that are missing out. So we can see that these parables were given to hide the meeting from those who choose to reject Jesus. That's another fill-in right there. And the message of God, and to clarify or give a fuller meaning and understanding to those who believe in the Lord. Um, if you could open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13. First Corinthians 2, 10 through 13. And it's, it's listed there under those who hear the gospel message. As a matter of fact, those who hear the gospel message without the Holy Spirit have little chance to understand it. First of all, faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so in 1 Corinthians, I'm going to skip over Romans, but 1 Corinthians 10 through, 10 through 13 um, <clears throat> says this. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows the spirit's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explain spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Now, with this, and hold on to that verse there, because we're, we're, uh, we're going to go down to 14 here in just a minute. Um, me, I'm just going to use an example of me. Um, uh, over 10 years ago, uh, I was a faithful, faithful person regarding opening up the Bible and trying to read the Word. I vividly remember trying to study through Luke and literally just disconnecting. And I know certain things spoke to me, but it was... It was just a disconnect for me. I just could not get it. It was like I was reading a story and nothing was penetrating my heart. I, I knew it. I had the knowledge. And there's many people out there. There are many people out there that know the Bible in and out. But they don't know what the Spirit is teaching them. They don't have the Spirit. And as a matter of fact, I had a, um, a minister who married my husband and I, a Presbyterian minister. And um, there were some red flags in some of his uh, um, his sermons and the way he married us. Um, but what was interesting is that he was the smartest man when it came to, the, to knowing the Bible. He knew everything about the Bible, all of it, but it became a history book. It, did be, it didn't become a spiritual aspect. And it was about four years ago he became truly saved. And everything, he was on fire. I mean, these fruits just started expanding. You could tell that, I mean, there was a fire in him. There was a spirit in him that was, that was presenting himself. And so there's a difference. You can know the Bible and you can know certain things, but that doesn't mean um, that it's spirit-led. And I believe truly with my heart that I was there, that, um, you know, several years ago, over 10 years ago, I was not, I I truly didn't have the Lord in my life. Um, I thought I did, but I didn't surrender. I didn't really ask him to be the Lord of my life. I was, I acknowledged him and I loved him. And and this is a lot of what we're going to talk about today. But when I did get saved and when I truly surrendered my life to him, everything popped out of the wall. I mean, it was like I could walk by and I'd see scripture on, um, on, um, uh, in a frame somewhere, and I'd stop to read it and be like, oh, awesome. Beforehand, never would do that. Or someone gives you scripture and encouragement, and, and but now I'm like, oh, that's so speaking to me. So if that's you today, um, this is going to be such a wonderful lesson for you. And hopefully um, some of these verses right now aren't making sense, um, but they will in just a few minutes. And that's our prayer for you today. But let me go through um, a couple of things um, with well, let's back up because I really need to read um, 1 Corinthians 2.14 since you're still there. Um, 
Because this goes along with um, hearing the message. Um, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And so that's another verse that backs up this reasoning here. But just some things with... um, with this parable, so that you can kind of get a grip of where we're coming from, or where Jesus is, uh, actually where Jesus is coming from, and trying to get to our hearts. Uh, the sower, well, the sower is the Lord, is the Lord, or it's the person who's spreading the word, or it's the messengers, or it's the disciples. So it's those people who are sending the message of God, spreading the good news. Um, the seeds. Um, th- that's the message. That's God's word. Um, that's the word of, of the kingdom. And the soil, that's our hearts and minds. And that's our soul, if you want to put it that way. So different commentaries have different, um, 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 I guess, comparisons on that end. But for the most part, when we go through these parables, I want you to, to not try to figure it out. Right? I want to kind of give a little hint that the soil is going to be your heart. This is your soul. Um, so soil, soul. Um, so, so what about this? Let's let's look at the seeds on the path. Just a quick context. Um, what happened to the seed on the on the path? And remember, when Jesus is talking about a path, he's talking about this beaten path. And so, I put a little um, uh, um, artistic spin on that here. Not very good, but the beaten path. If you can um, just kind of visualize a path in your mind or, or a trail, um, it's beaten down. It's hard. It's not going to be mushy. It's just some a natural path that you're going to take. And so that's what that's representing. And so the bird, so the seeds were um, um, scattered on the path. It happened to fall upon the path, but the birds came and ate it up because they were just they, they couldn't um, be absorbed. They couldn't be planted in. They were just surfaced. And so the uh, birds came and ate it up. And and so the birds would represent like Satan snatching the word from you very quickly. You just are not absorbing it. Um, and then seeds on a rocky soil. What happened to the seed? Well, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. So you have to imagine, um, oops, I'm sorry, this should be three, this should be two. This would be the rocky soil right here, where um, if you can imagine rocks, um, little and big rocks, if you ever are around rocky soil, which we have a lot of farm ground that we know what rocky soil is, you're going to see kind of maybe a surface, and then um, maybe you'll see some dirt in between, but usually there's a rock bed of some sort located nearby, and so it's very rare that you're going to get a good production. But you'll see initial sprout, but the the dirt is so shallow that there's not a whole lot of moisture there, and then when the heat comes and the sun comes on it, then it withers. It really doesn't have... um, the root that it needs to um, to grow. Um, the thorns, which is number three here, and if you can imagine um, a kind of a thorny patch, and I'm thinking sharp thorns and weeds, just the stuff that you would never walk through if you're in a kind of a brushy area um, and uh, you're hiking or something, that's just not the way you would go. It's just too much of a, um, of a barrier for you. But what happened to the seed there? Well, the thorns grew up, and, of course, the thorns choked out the plants because they're so overwhelming, they're so overbearing, that that little plant just doesn't have a, ch- a chance just to, to grow through that. And that's pretty true when you go into a thorny bush patch. You're not going to see a whole lot of other vegetation but those thorns and weeds. But seeds on a good soil, well, what happened to the seed? Well, as you can see, this would represent our good soil, which is um, um, not worn down. It's a freshly plowed, rich soil dirt, no rock, no weeds. Well, it produced a crop of 160 or 30 times that was sown. And good soil varies, too. So even when we talk about the good soil today, that's going to vary a little bit, too, because even when you have good soil, there's still be, still be more potential in other areas of the soil than there are in, um, in um, comparison areas. So... Um, so those are the four that we're going to talk about, and that's what God, or what that's what Jesus is trying to bring the unfamiliar to the familiar, because people are aware of soil conditions, especially um, at that time. So, what does that mean? Well, um, this parable explains why this message has different effects on different people, because we're all very different. Um, it's not that the message is defective because the message is true, or that it is true for some people, but not for others, is that the message is the message of God. And it's true for everyone. And it's able to transform transform every person. So everybody um, can have this opportunity of transformation. But it's 
everybody who hears it. The issue is that people fail to experience the life-changing power of God's message because they don't respond to it for various reasons. And just another little example, so not really, I don't want to bring another parable to the picture, but another example to prep us for what we're going to study is um, if you take, for example, a doctor, and he has three patients that come in with a bacterial infection. And um, they all have the same bacterial infection, and he uh, prescribes the same exact antibiotic for each person. And each person goes home, one person takes it faithfully and recovers, the next person takes it only to the point where they feel bad and then they stop taking it, the third person just doesn't really follow through with the directions and completely has a worse infection than what they started with. They all come back to the doctor, and the first thing they're going to do is, it's your fault, <laughs> or, you know, it's the blame shifting, or or you misdiagnosed. Well, when it when the reality came uh, to fruition, the fact was that there was only one person that followed through with those instructions. The other two failed, and so here were the consequences. And so when we talk about these parables, there's so many times where we will hear this message and we're going to justify why we're not in the good soil. Because, 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 because. And so, again, just allowing the Lord to work in your heart today. Open your heart and just see it for what it is. And and hopefully um, start working wonders um, for us as we all can have improvement. So, who hears this message? Well, let's talk about seeds on the path, and we'll have a question here. Just to break this time up, I know I'm talking a little bit longer than than I was supposed to, but um, the seeds on the path. So I explained what the warm path is. And remember, the warm path also is something because it's a path that you'll have a tendency to take. If you think about the world, it's without barriers for the most part. So if we're thinking of this world that we're living in, the worldly life, it's the norm, it's easy to go, it's easy to live this way because everyone's doing it and everyone justifies it, that's kind of the path that we're talking about as well. Well, here are some of the bullet points that um, that will be the characteristics or tendencies of the person that might be this type of soil, the warm beaten path. This would be, uh, oh, let's, we've got to fill in, don't we? Okay, this is a person that indicates um, that they are stuck in their ways and perhaps even having a closed mind. That's your fill in there. Okay, so here are some tendencies that this person would have. This person would probably have an unteachable spirit. Another one, would this person be self-sufficient? They're kind of in control of things. Really, they don't need a savior because everything's fallen in place to them. They, they control their finances. They control um, just kind of how their, their life is going. Um, this is also the person that would be prideful, perhaps. And it doesn't mean they're all of these, but, but even if it's one or the other, as you're going through these, if some of these are striking to your heart, maybe circle them too as we go about this. This might be something that, you know, you're starting to read through these and you're like, oh, this might be, this might be a tendency that I have. Um, this is someone that has maybe immoral character. Um, and, and this is something that I've noticed a lot. Um, and not that all my friends are worldly friends, but I have a few. And boy, when they get together and they banter back and forth, the language can fly. And I'm not talking harsh language, just really not God-honoring language. And it's just normal. It's normal. And it's just really, it just hurts your soul. But they don't think it's it's immoral, you know. And so it's it's some of these different things that, um, that we justify, you know, um, in, in our culture, unfortunately. Um, and, and it's really sad. Um, you know, a lot of times, too, with the immoral character, um, maybe you're not for sure what's immoral. And, and I think that's something that you're going to have to really read the word and search, ask the Lord to search your heart where he can convict you in the right places. Um, but immoral character is one. Um, pleases the world and of the world, um, which we just talked about. And this person also would be unwillingness to change. This would be someone that's just like, well, this is the way I am. And and, you know, you're just going to have to deal with it. Or I was born this way, or my father was like this, and I'm like this. Or my mother was like this, and I'm like this. It's just, you know, it's, it's in the genes. And so those are the people that are on that well-beaten path. So the question that I have for you today is this. Do any of the above characteristics relate to you? And have you seen this perhaps in other people? Now, I know they're not wanting to search out other people, but maybe you can use this so that it's, it, it brings awareness to what it is. Um, but first, let's search our hearts. So do any of these characteristics um, maybe hit a string with your own heart? Okay, so a few minutes around the table. Okay, so I'm sure there's some good answers. Um, I probably can say that I have qualified for some of these for sure. And um, when I do point those out, 
Um, and especially when I reflect that onto myself, those are definitely areas that don't be ashamed of. If you acknowledge them and proclaim them, um, you know, God gives you every um, tool to cultivate that soil. And that's the great hope that we have in Jesus. Um, the next one, though, is seeds on a rocky soil. Okay, so we kind of went over what rocky soil is. I, I can give you a little visual of what that is bringing you to the familiar that rocky soil tends to have a lot of rocks, sharp edges, um, and usually there's an underlying source or rock bed that um, allows for low, low moisture in these areas so that when a seed is planted, what happens is the seed will grow very quickly, but when the sun and the heat hits it, then it will wither very quickly. And so this rocky soil, this represents a person who is partly seeking God and trying to live godly when it is convenient for them. And in fact, Scripture says that this person may be joyful at first, but they accept the message. Um, but the key here is that they may not apply it to their lives or even take it seriously, even to seek more, thirst for more, or even grow more. Um, this person initially hears the message and agrees fullheartedly, but in the end, this person allows for the worldly life to take over. And this is a lot of my friends right now. Um, I see a lot of my friends are just, and they love the Lord. I don't doubt that. I don't question that. And I'm, I'm part of this um, as, as, as many times as well, like the Christmas situation. Um, but what happens here are these people... Um, they have a, um, a, a service commitment. They make a service commitment saying, um, you know what, the Lord, the Lord, I will trust you. Um, um, I take your word in. Everything's going good. I praise you. But when the heat is turned on, then what happens? They start to wither. And it's experiences like uh, for us, everything's going good, and then um, tragedy hits your house. And then... That the Lord is the last thing you you turn to, or maybe um, if you're someone that gets hurt really badly for somebody, you don't go to the Lord first and discuss this with Him or communicate or pray with Him. Instead, you go to the next friend so that you can justify your actions. Um, it's it's these kind of tendencies that start getting us into this rocky soil type of heart. Um, also, this might be a person that claims to be a Christian, but the heart really isn't true to that. Um, the um, study guide that we've really been focusing on to help us through this lesson is called Jesus and the Kingdom of God, and it's a discipleship lesson guide, and it's by Ralph F. Wilson. And and his theory, or his kind of, um, I guess, aspect on this was, um, were they really Christians in the first place? And um, and that's kind of scary when, when you ask that question, because that's not something you want to think about. Um, but he does make four points out here, and he just says, you know, maybe, th- maybe if someone's living in this rocky soil, first of all, maybe they were a counterfeit Christian. Maybe they were. Maybe sometimes you'll meet individuals who believe that they are Christians, but when you talk with them, you realize they don't understand Jesus' salvation very well. The other point that he says is maybe they are just weak Christians. Um, the Apostle Paul talks about baby Christians and carnal Christians, and that's in 1 Corinthians 3, but about Christians who haven't grown enough to display the fruit of the, the Spirit's presence, the outward marks of a believer. But true Christians don't drop out, wither, or fall away. Or maybe this is, and this is something that can be controversial um, on the doctrine, but apostate Christians. Maybe they were never Christians in the first place. And that's a hard thing to swallow, but, um, you know, I'm not to judge. I'm, I'm looking at myself on this and asking, am I really trusting in the Lord? Um, because if I have some of these attributes, including the next one, which is uncertainty, um, and maybe uncertainty even consumes your life, um, or doubtfulness, or I question, and I don't think it's wrong to question sometimes, but it gets to the point, if it questions for you to doubt God, then it becomes wrong. It starts to become a, a wrong issue. It's gonna, it can be a little deceiving on that end. Um, or selfishness, you know, um, I want to follow Jesus, I really do, but I don't want to give up this. <laughs> This is the compartment. I just don't want to give up. And I'm really afraid that if I follow Jesus, he's going to ask me to give this up. And I don't want to give that up. For some of us, and I've brought this up in the past, maybe it's the spending. Maybe it's being nice to your enemy. (laughs) Maybe it's um, uh, um, surrendering to uh, an addiction. Maybe it's, um, you know, giving up the party life. Maybe it's, I I don't know what that is. Um, But maybe um, that's what you're wrestling with. And that's, that's not dying to self. Um, and so selfishness, or you're just plain comfortable. You just don't want to ruffle feathers. You don't. Maybe you think, well, if I get too heavy into the word, or I trust the Lord too much, and I get really involved, then the opposition will come full force at me, and and I'm afraid of that. And I, I think we're good, and, and we're just fine where we're at. Well, God calls us to get out of our comfort zone, and um, and especially if God is telling you to do something, 
he asks us to be obedient. <laughs> and some of us just don't want to be obedient. We're kind of comfortable where we're at. And so if the, any of these tendencies are you, um, I would circle them and ask the Lord to really search your heart on these. Because these are very common. I have experienced a few of these as well. Um, so the question here around your table is, do any of, these, any of these characteristics apply to you? And what causes you to have these characteristics? And perhaps maybe the person who has not spoke maybe can start the conversation. And I'll give you about three to four minutes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now there's a lot of... A lot of bullet points to talk on the rocky soil. But the next one that we want to talk about is the third type of soil. And the third type of soil Jesus talks about is the the seeds among the thorns. And again, if you can imagine the thorns, which again, a small little visual. And if you've ever went hiking, or maybe even have a backyard with this, um, you can understand that those, if it's a thorny bush and it has, it's generally kind of tangled with maybe some weeds, um, it's just not something you want to step into. And my family and I hike a lot, and if we see a brush pile like that, we avoid it with all costs because you'll get burrs or snags, and, and remember the thorns, and that's like the gnashing of teeth, um, and it's painful, and it can be, um, if you're stuck in some thorns like my kids have been, it's, um, it's torment on them. And, and so no one wants to go in thorns, um, but we have thorns. We have soils. Some of us have parts that are thorny like that. And what happens is there's just no good production of fruitful plants that can come out of that. Anything that's going to produce fruit. Um, but ro- or, I'm sorry, um, th- thorns um, and the weeds, they represent everything that causes sin. Um, all who do evil. And sin will choke out the revelation that God so wants us to know and desire. And also remember, sin is what separates us from God. And so if you look at thorns, it's going to totally separate you from God. Um, and it'll eventually lead to destruction and death. And that's exactly what the thorns do with the seed that's sown in that area. Um, is it just separates you from any source of life and eventually death and destruction will come into play. And it can be so over-consuming. And in fact, if you know what thorns are, they mass-produce. If you know what weeds are like, they mass-produce quickly. And they do it with um, an overnight time clock. <laughs> and so that's very dangerous when you're talking about the hearts and how quickly sin can multiply and take over your lives in an instant. And that's Satan's demise. He, he wants that to happen. So some of the attributes for this type of soil, and I shouldn't say attributes, but basically um, characteristics would be that it's resistance towards God and others. It's like you have a kind of a guard up or a wall up. And this would be me before my husband um, uh, became a believer of Christ. You know, I'd go to church and I'd be like, "You got to come. Don't you want to be saved?" And, and immediately, it would just be that defense mechanism he would have against it. You know, he—I believe he was feeling convicted, but his defense mechanism was he would repel it because of the conviction. And in fact, he would come to church and he would hear the message, and it was such a strong conviction, and he wasn't a believer yet that it would just turn him into a tailspin. And so that wall would go up, that defensive um, uh, aspect would go up in his um, in his demeanor. Um, maybe this is the person that's wounded, has been hurt by, by someone, really deep wounds, and um, those wounds have not been healed, or they can't be healed, they just hold on, or maybe they're in bondage of those wounds, um, you know, uh, that someone has done them so wrong that has either has created fear or anxiety or a deep hurt has caused depression, whatever that might be, um, but they're in bondage of that. Um, maybe it's someone that worries or is very anxious. Um, I, I know a, a good friend of mine that every time she was expecting a child, um, she from day one knew something was wrong with that baby. Uh, and, and that's all she thought about. And that's, it consumed her day. It consumed her mind. It consumed her heart. She was missing out on all the blessings around her. She loved the Lord, but that was that was a, a thorn. That was a, a thorny bush that was just going out of control. And before you knew it, she got she would be having anxiety attacks, and and it was just awful. And you know, God calls us not to have anxiety. You know, he says don't be anxious about anything, um, but be you know persistent in prayer and and, and relying on Him. And uh, this this anxiousness is is very, I think kind of similar to some of us that are rocky soil. You know, we love the Lord with all heart, and then something gets to us, and they're like, you know, so that can apply to that soil as well. 
Um, this person also might have a bitter heart. And remember, um, um, especially when we read the word, a lot of bitterness starts at the root and it goes out of control. And if you can't um, remove that bitter seed, um, then it's out of control. And so some of us are bitter. And some of the way that we respond to people in our life when we are supposed to respond in love, we're responding in bitterness. And this is um, a characteristic of someone with authority soil. Um, we also have anger towards God, perhaps, and others. Um, we are maybe uh, we maybe have some mouths or rage, or maybe we have an aspect of being revengeful. You know, you've done wrong to me, so it justifies me to do wrong to you. Um, again, God calls us to die to self um, and to surrender that. Um, maybe this is someone that lacks compassion. Um, Kind of like, well, they did it to themselves, <laughs> so let them deal with it. You know that kind of um, that kind of way of thinking. Or maybe um, you lack love due to a hard heart. Like you just are not going to show this person love because you know they don't deserve it, and and your heart is hardened on that. And remember, God calls us to love. That's one of the greatest commandments: is love your neighbor as yourself. Um, so that's completely opposite than that. Um, consumed with riches, maybe this person is just um, this. This wealth, and, and, and Jesus compares this, um, wealth has just um, consumed them, and it becomes their desire now. Um, and I think that's very um, true of our culture, is we get to the point where materialism, and I've fallen into that trap, materialism, wealth, things like that become your master, and that's what pleasures you, that's what you find temporary happiness in, and then of course, that always leads us to more, and more, and more, and more. It's never satisfactory for us, we always want more, and more, and more, we try to do like the Joneses, whatever that is, it's this horrible um, cycle that we get patterned up to, but we justify it because we live in this world and everyone kind of does it, and that's wrong, and that's wrong. Um, also focused in on pleasures. You know, some of it might be sexual pleasures, some of it might be food pleasures, some of it, again, might be addiction pleasures of some sort, um, and that can also be a, a, a root cause as well, and this is what fixes you. And again, it's a temporary fix that doesn't last. It, it, it ends up dying, and then you want more, and then you're in a spiral. So, with these type of characteristics, taking that into context, and there may be many more, but just to, to name a few, um, do any of these characteristics apply to you, and what has been the result of acting out with one or more of these characteristics? And take a few minutes around your table. All right, we're having some good conversations. I think this is the first time I've allowed you to have more than three or four minutes to talk. And it was good for me to hear some conversations around the table. Um, what was interesting is some of the gals brought up, you know, um, I, I find this uh, just a tendency of mine that when bills come in and financial aspects, I just have anxiety all of a sudden, you know. Um, and, you know, first thing that comes to my mind, because I'm on the outside just, and I'm so deep into this, is, you know, uh, and we studied Matthew pretty extensively, is our daily bread. You know, there's just so many things. In the word, when we look at some of these things that cause this, that we can go back to the word, and the word completely is the opposite. You know, um, you know, allowing you know um, us to know what the truth is when we're in the spirit uh, will get us through these things. And so, Gal said, "Yeah, it was the bills that make me anxious." And the first thing that came to my mind was, "Oh, the daily bread that God provides." He asked us just to ask for our daily bread. You know, and that alone would just take my anxieties away. Or maybe it's the expectations. Someone said, um, "You know, that I expect God to do this." in this timing or this way and I'm not seeing it well expectations will always disappoint you that was a revelation I have had in the last year it's the hope that will never disappoint us and in Romans 5 3 through 5 or 6 um, you know uh, uh, scripture says you know uh, rejoice in your sufferings because suffering produces perseverance perseverance uh, produces character and character produces hope which will never disappoint us because it's through the Holy Spirit that's been poured upon us and that's hope when you have hope in Jesus will never disappoint you and I think we get confused and I think for some of us we think about expectations and we think about hope and we think they're the same thing they're not expectations are what we have planned this is what we expect God to do this is what we expect to happen in that person and that person they will fail us every time instead you revert that to it's the hope. It's the hope that I have in Jesus 
that will finish this. It's the hope that I have in Jesus that will change that person in God's timing. And so therefore, the anxiety is going to go away because I'm relying strictly on that hope that the Bible says to do so, and it's in God's hands. Therefore, no anxiety. Therefore, no worries. There's therefore no bitter heart. I'm just going to give it to him. And so that has to do with surrendering and, and knowing who Jesus if God is. Um, and, and we could go in a whole, I could do a whole lesson on that one because that has hit me so hard. Um, but those are some things that the Bible speaks of. And if we're not hearing the message, we will never know that we should have hope. We will never know that we should have um, our focus on, on our daily provision because God will take care of us. We would never know that if we're not hearing the message or our hearts are not prepared to hear this. So, that's our third soil, which leads us to the best soil of them all, and that is seeds on the good soil. And remember, this is soil. And, and let me just see you raise a hand. Does anyone own, own like farming ground or anything like that, or farmers, maybe? Okay, so my husband and I own three farms, and we, uh, we, we hobby farm a lot of it, we actually cash rent a lot of it, but we know our soils. We know when we have to stick tiles in the ground for drainage, we know where the rocky areas are. Matter of fact, you can go to your um, nearest um, government official that deals with farms, and I think it's the FDA is where we go, and they, um, they do a little map of your soils from, from the um, satellite, and they show you exactly where the rocky areas are, maybe the good soil is, or the drainage, and, and it's just this whole detailed aspect. So we can go in there with all these, um, you know, preparations on how we're going to plant and what we're going to do and what areas. And if you know your farms pretty well, you, you already know that these are the areas you'll plant in. These are the areas that you'll probably um, grow into, um, you know, native grasses or, or um, timber or whatever that might be. But um, this is the soil that we just love. When we come apart, when we do our hobby farming, we always have this one section of farm that we're like, this is so wonderful. We just can't always plant the same crop that we have to rotate it to keep it balanced, but there's a lot of work that goes into it. And even when you have good soil, just as a reminder, uh, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden these plants are going to um, grow and bloom. You have to tend to that good soil. And so because we're organic um, hobby farmers, everything we do is organic on our hobby crops, like pumpkins and watermelon, things that people are going to bake or eat. And so we um, make sure that we hand weed or hoe every single week. And, and it's work. But it's, we know what the pr- produce will be like when we work. Now, if we let it go, we know what the produce is going to be. But we know. And so we're going into this knowing that if we're going to be citizens of the kingdom, we are to produce fruits for the Lord. We're supposed to produce these amazing fruits. And um, knowing that, here's the soil that we need to have in order for that to happen. So let's read on good soil. Well, good soil... It's the most prosperous of all conditions to see and mature in Christ. Good soil represents the richness of qualities that are needed in order to see the truth and gain knowledge. It is the only way that will allow for a person to grow and produce many fruits. So these are the characteristics of someone with good soil or a good heart that will listen and hear the message. This person will hear the word and understand it. Remember what I said about reading the scripture um, 10 years ago and being like, what in the world? And now it's like, oh, every little line speaks to you. Matter of fact, I was at the table and the girls are like, oh, yes, it's so deep and complex and you could just get so much out of it. Yes. Beforehand for me? No. I just thought it was a history book. Um, This person also responds to the message honestly. Um, You're honest with your need for Jesus and and his message. Um, You realize that you're a sinner and you need to repent. Or you realize that um, you you fall so short, which we all do, and you need his word. You realize that you um, are selfish and you need to rely on him. All this um, becomes that humility and humble aspect that we kind of talked about with the Beatitudes. The next one is being humble about it. Um, Too many times our pride gets in the way saying, I'm not this person. I don't need this. And that's a prideful way, and that's a great scheme that Satan likes to use to keep you from the word. That goes back to that path, that beaten path. This this person also has a characteristic of acknowledgement of sin, repentance, and working towards a pure heart. Um, Remember, we were talking about, um, I believe Megan talked on this, about murder and the bitterness that starts in, in the heart. We talked about adultery and how it starts in the heart, all those things. And um, and when we talk about working towards a heart, we talk about a, a pure heart. That doesn't mean that, you know, um, uh, a 
a person that um, just will never act on that sin, but it, deep in their heart they have that sin, they think about it. Um, that's 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 sinful. <laughs> Jesus says it's, it starts at the heart. So if you are so angry at a person um, and you just want to just throw all slanders and whatever that is, um, but you don't, um, and you think, well, that's not sinning because I'm not acting on it, you've already committed the sin in your heart. Same thing with when we were talking about adultery. Um, and I was talking about like the Chippendales and the lust over uh, my coworkers with the Chippendales. And the fact that um, these were married women and they were just ooh-la-la over these naked men or whatever it was, they already committed adultery in their heart. And it was sinful. But to them, that wasn't a sin. That's not a sin. So we, when we don't hear the message and what the truth is, we're not going to know. We're, gonna, we're not going to have this. We're not going to have this. We're going to be on one of these paths or on one of these soils. And so I just want to make sure that, you know, if some of these are, again, speaking to you, praise God. God is convicting you and, and he'll give you grace. I think that's a wonderful thing. But in the in the meantime, it's, it's being, you know, humble about it and acknowledging it. And that's a great thing. That's the takeaway of that pride. That's a wonderful thing to acknowledge it. Um, the next one would be this person surrenders. Um, this person can surrender very easily, saying, you know what? It's yours, God. You know, I talked about that expectations versus um, hope. Just saying, you know what? I'm done with my expectations. I'm done with planning on that person to change it. It's in your hands because I hope for, I have hope through you, Lord. You can change them. And that's trusting the Lord. That's um, being obedient. That's surrendering. Um, the next one would be you're totally dependent on God. You know, I think, and we're all going to fall short on some of these, but we're going to strive for these. That's the point here. You're dependent on God. You just know that things are going to be okay with the bills. You know that your children are, you're going to fervently pray for them, but um, you're just going to know that God has has this. He's in control, but you trust in him and cry out to him and keep praising him for that. Um, desire, you desire God. I mean, you it's like food. You know how we get those cravings for ice cream um, and sugar? Well, some of those are behavioral trainings that we, we cause amongst ourselves and, and then it gets set in our minds. It becomes a lifestyle thing. Well, this becomes a desire for God. This becomes, you know, I need to get into my Bible today. It's almost like um, when you don't brush your teeth every day, you know, it's like, Ugh, or if you didn't brush your teeth that day, you're like, Ugh. that's the feeling you should have when you don't have God. It's like, oh, I'm missing something. I, I need him. I need him every day. Um, and, and you should starve for him. And you should be hungry for him. And I know for Christmas, over Christmas, I got so distracted that daily I was like so busy it became such a distraction that I found myself not so desiring him because I was so distracted. And that that was not good because look what happened is the end result after a week and a half of preparing for the holidays. You know, I fell flat on my face and literally. And, um, you know, and look what, how I acted. But had I been dependent on God, how I desired God all through those days, he would have given me peace. He would have given me, you know, just a really, a real sense of, um, of meaning here. And, and I didn't do that. And I, and I, like I said, I asked for forgiveness. I'm humbly admitting that as well. Um, and he also, this person also is faithful. This person is also obedient. That's one thing you've got to remember. Um, so many times God puts something on your heart and you don't obey. And that's that's not this person. This person is going to have a tendency to say, okay, I'll go over to that neighbor and I'll start talking to them. Or I will, um, I see someone over in that corner and I will and I will listen. And, and I, I use this story all the time. I have to bring it up again. But a perfect one is Patty Bray. When... Um, you know, she's a people person. She likes to get to everybody and, and, and greet everybody. And she told a story one time where she saw a person outside of the church just uh, maybe smoking a cigarette or something like that and, and kind of dressed in kind of the street, you know, jargon and, and wasn't really um, dressed to come into church like we would think. But this person was on the corner, you know, arms crossed, and Patty was so so um, quick to try to get inside. And she was rushing inside because she wanted to meet all the members coming in and all the congregation and, and so forth. And so she happened to glance and saw this gal, and um, she she started getting a nudge from the Holy Spirit saying, go back and, and talk to that girl. Go back. And she was like, but no, i got to get in, you know, and i got to greet everyone. That's my job. I need to be there. But then she got in here, and that, the Holy Spirit was pressing on so hard that she made a choice. And that's where God gives us free will. She um, could either choose to go about her delegated duties, um, or she could follow the Holy Spirit. And she chose to turn around and follow what the Holy Spirit was telling her. So she walked out and around the corner, and she said, Hi, my name's Patty. How are you? And this girl immediately started crying. She said, you know, if, um, and the story goes something like this, if, you, if I made a deal today I, that I was going to end my life. 
if no one came and said hi to me outside of a church. And so I, I tears just fell up in my eyes because I think that was a testament to her obedience. That how many times do we, you know, that might mean just a real small thing to us, but we will never know that ripple effect she talks about that it'll have on people if we don't obey. And so that's another thing about someone that's obedient that if you're not being obedient and you're kind of, if God is saying, write that letter, and you're like, oh, I'll put it off till next week when I have more time. You never know what that timing could have done to that person. Or reconciling. Maybe God's saying, call this person today. Call this person. Are we obeying? Because you never know the timing. Just like that girl, always, that always has pierced my heart with that example. That that, that gal could have ended her life and no one would have known anything, you know. But that's a testament of how God works. And that's a testament to Patty um, being obedient. That's how God's power can be amazing. And he used Patty. Patty obeyed. And that power was amazing. And God wants to use us. He wants to, he wants to be powerful, but he needs to use us by being obedient. And it's not us that does the work. It's, it's God. But we are the vessels. And if we're not obedient, he cannot complete his work the way it's intended. And that's important. So, as we look at these, um, here is the question. Do any of these characteristics apply to you, and what has motivated you to possess these characteristics? So, just a few minutes around the table. And focusing on the motivation part of that. Okay, so, seeds on the good soil. So, we discussed all four of them, but let's talk about the result of the good soil, because that's very important, because if you don't know what the result is... How can you prepare and plan? And that's, again, what we do as farmers is we want this yield. We want these beautiful watermelon that are tasty and these beautiful pumpkins that you can bake and display. And um, and so we want the proper soil to do that. So we have a goal here. But um, the Lord tells us this is what would represent someone of good soil. And these will be the people that are harvestable. Um, these are the people that I want in my kingdom. These are the people that are kingdom citizens. And that's all what we're striving to be. We all walked in this room with this idea or we're seeking to know what this kingdom is or what we are um, to do as Christ followers. And the final result um, of good soil and a good heart um, with this harvestable crop is a couple of things. One is it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And these are good characteristics that you have um, um, a heart that represents good soil. Um, The uh, author of the study guide that we're studying, uh, Ralph F. Wilson, says this. He says, Godly character traits that begin to grow in our character when we yield to the Spirit. It is no compliment when someone says to you, I I didn't know you were a Christian. How sad. Jesus said, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so that kind of hit me because I had to actually ask myself, um, when I um, look at certain people in my area, my uh, family or my neighbors or my friends, um, and most of my good friends really are my sisters, but I do have a few friends that are seeking um, from the past, and I keep in touch with them. But I have to ask myself, um, if I was to say to them that I love the Lord, would they be shocked? Would they be shocked to hear that I am a Christian? And if they are shocked, I don't think that's a compliment to me in any sense. And I have had, I have, <laughs> I have said I was a Christian um, 10 years ago, and have never spoke a word about it, nothing, and then I have had someone say, oh, I didn't know you are a Christian, you know, and now that I think about it, how could they know? They wouldn't have known, because I didn't, I didn't um, reflect any of the fruits that God um, says we as Christians will reflect when we are growing and producing fruit, and remember, fruit is produced through all these things that we, we start to possess, and the fruit of the Spirit, if you recollect in Galatians, is love, joy, peace, Patience, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all those things, do you have them? And if if you're struggling with knowing what the fruit is, I strongly recommend to go back to that um, passage in Galatians and really study the fruits of the Spirit because those are fruits that are are produced through all these things um, that you you come together with with the Lord. And so um, if I can honestly... Uh, ask that question. What would the answer be? And I think all of us need to ask that question. And I think that's uh, a real sad thought if the answer would be, I didn't know you were a a Christian. That would be really sad because we're called to live differently. We're called to show our light. We're called to shine. And um, I just had this conversation with my daughter who was embarrassed um, one day. 
you know, because she didn't know if she was going to be rejected if she shared the Lord with somebody. And, um, and I, this is the question that, you know, kept coming back to me. You know, I wanted her, I want to help prepare her so that she sees what good soil is and that she starts preparing her heart for that so that people can say, there's something different about her. You know, I, I, there's something different, you know. And, and that's who I want to be. I want someone to come to me and be like, there's something different about her, different than everyone else. Uh, she's joyful. She's, she's um, you know, um, patient. She has self-control. She loves you know, the unlovable. She loves those who hurt her. I want someone to be able to see that in me. Um, the second one is fruitfulness of the Spirit. Um, there's um, a result or fruitfulness of our spiritual gifts. And, um, I'm sorry, spiritual gifts here. The tools that God gives Christians to help build up the church and the body of Christ. And these gifts come in great varieties. And as a body of Christ, I remember um, using this visual of we're all different. Someone's a finger, someone's a foot, if you kind of think of it that way. That means um, I am not a singer. I love, I receive the message through song very well. It inspires me. I can fall to my knees easily. I think God speaks through music. I am not a singer. <laughs> and you don't want me to be a singer. But, um, but I, I love to encourage. I, I, at heart, that's just a natural gift God has given me. I love to encourage. I love to, um, and use that very comfortably. For some of you, um, it might be serving. For some of you, it's child uh, care, um, and that's a ministry. All these things are a part of the body of Christ. And Amy Patrick, I use you over and over if you're here. Oh, yeah. You'll never know what you've done for me. And the times in the past, you just text me, I'll go and say, you're beautiful, you're going to have a great day. And it'd be one of those days where you're just, you know, I was going through a tough time in my life with uh, a bonus daughter of ours that was just, it was really tough. But I need to hear that from a sister in Christ, because that was God speaking. Or someone just, you know, randomly texting you or calling you or sending you a note saying, you know, I was thinking of you today. You know, that's, God's using us. And so we've got to be obedient to our talents and our gifts and allow God to use us in that aspect. Because, um, you know, you may not be a teacher, but that doesn't mean that your encouragement is any less. It it means the world. Or um, you may not be a singer, but that doesn't mean that, you know, doing childcare is any less. You don't know the amount of wonder that is done for my children. Um, So there's a lot of things that we have to realize that God has given us these great spiritual gifts. And to just embrace them and really be obedient to those um, when God places it onto your heart. So... The question here is if we looked at all the four soils, and so around your table, I want you to look at each four soil, and real quickly, um, which of the four soils do you think you represent the most, and why? Real quickly. Goodness, it's almost time, and I hate to cut short. I really thought I was doing good with um, table time, but apparently I need to work on that some more. Um, but hopefully God has kind of revealed some things to your heart today. Remember, Matthew 13, though, says, He who has ears, let him hear. And that's a very important point that Jesus makes. In fact, um, um, in Revelation, Revelation 1-3, Jesus said, Blessed is the one who reads the words of his, this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. Remember, the kingdom is near. And so it's important that we work on on, on this. But here's the thing. When I was going through this lesson with my husband, because I always go through it with him, um, he's like, well, how do you get good soil then? You know, what you gotta, you gotta talk about, you know, conclude with how to get good soil. Well, you know, uh, the good news is that God can make us a good, a new creation. Um, uh, here's, here's a couple verses that, that summarize some of this. Um, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so first of all, if anyone is in Christ, if you have given your life to Christ, um, then he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Um, and I think that's really important to remember as well. And, and in Ezekiel, um, Scripture says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And so God is our ultimate changer. He's the one that transforms our hearts and our minds. But remember, we have given free will to make that decision to surrender to the Lord. And that's so important. And when we do, you might think automatically you're going to have this good soil, but it's it's a process. God starts convicting you in areas that you never knew existed, and he, he, allows, you to, he allows you to have these tools to pull out those weeds. Um, but he is the ultimate uh, farmer. He's the one that's going to give us the tools and cultivate. But it's ongoing. Remember, in a normal um, uh, 
farm patch or a farm or field, you are not, you're not just going to plant your crop and just let it grow. Um, you have to tend to it. And it's daily. It's daily. It's just not over, you know, it's not going to just happen. So you have to tend to it, but you have to make the choice. And so there's a lot more that can go into this. We're just really hitting the surface on this. And I really pray that you can go into more study on this. And there's a lot of resources out there. Um, before I end in prayer, Carolyn has said that she has lost kind of like a, a jeweled lapel type um, pen, okay, pen that goes on a jacket. It was in here earlier today, maybe. It was gold, maybe. Sounds good. Okay, if you just bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for um, the opportunity to come together here as sisters, Lord, and a place to meet, Lord. And we just lift your name up so high, Lord, that you give us a message that is true, Lord, that when we start doubting or we have contradictions and and what's going through our mind and heart, that, Lord, I just ask that you um, just reveal the truth to us, Lord. Um, But in order to do that, Lord, point out out the areas of soil that we need to change, Lord. Uh, Change our hearts, because without that change, um, more than likely, we're not going to see the message for what it is the truth, Lord. And Lord, there's everything in the Bible that you've given us um, to to live this life as kingdom citizens. Um, It's very rare that we take it out sometimes and really follow it. And Lord, I just ask that you just place a a large... just kind of a large knock on our heart to say, you know what? Open my word. Let me reveal myself to you, Lord. And just remind us every day that this good soil is the soil that we need to persevere in this um, in this kingdom and, and become disciples of all disciples um, and um, spread that word to make more disciples. And we just thank you, Lord. Um, as our soils may vary, that um, you just... Uh, um, just, just lead us and reveal us to grow, Lord. We just thank you for this time, and um, we just ask for your protections as we go out of here from distraction from the enemy, and um, we, are, we just glorify you and give us in your name. Amen. Have a great day.